Christmas. I love this season so much. And if you're like me, you probably have fond memories of Christmas traditions done as a child. Anyone with me? Yeah? Like, I can't tell you all of the gifts I opened. I probably can't even tell you something from every Christmas of my growing up, but I can tell you about every tradition that we did as a family every year. I can tell you about the Christmas music that begins regularly on November 1st because it's my dad's birthday and it bothers him so much. And his sister started the tradition and it's just carried on. I can tell you about the cookies made just so with raspberry jam, again, dad's preference. I can tell you all about the Christmas elf who came far before Christmas morning and filled our stockings with just a little goodie because my brother and I were that good. Yeah. That's what we were told anyway. I'm sure it was a great ploy by my parents. I can tell you all about Candy Cane Lane in Edmonton, Alberta, and walking through the Christmas lights every year, ending at the Mickey Mouse house that truly lit up the entire block. I can tell you about every single one of the traditions, even if I can't tell you about every Christmas. Because there's something that happens when we engage in expectation, isn't there? And isn't that what those Christmas traditions really are? Is engaging in expectation, planning out this countdown and this buildup of excitement over the course of the season that culminates on Christmas. The traditions that fill the whole season with love and laughter. And if you're like me, you have probably intentionally grafted some of those traditions into your new adult family. From your family of origin, you just kind of sorted through the ones that meant the most to you as a child and have continued on creating those same memories and traditions year after year, year after year. In what? In hopes that that same excitement, that same warm fuzzies, the same everything that you felt will be felt by your children and their children and their children for generations to come because there is something that happens when we engage in expectation. And the act of looking back actually spurs us on in the act of looking forward. So if you have your Bibles with me this morning, turn to Psalm 98. Psalm 98, and if you do not have a Bible here, but you have a smart device of any kind, just head over to myevangel.church, myevangel.church, and you can find a whole bunch of great free Bible apps there. Also, if you would like a paper Bible, please just come find me while we're drinking hot chocolate. Um, it's one of our joys, and we have tons of Bibles here just for the purpose of giving away. Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make, mu make music to the Lord with the harp, 
with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn, shout for joy before the Lord the King. Let the sea resound in everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. So God, as we just look at this psalm that was written so long before Christmas, in the very spirit of expectation, God, this morning, as we've already prayed, would you quicken our hearts to expect you again? Would you help this Christmas season not be one of just looking back? God, would you build something up so we can look forward? Would you help us to stir up something that maybe was long forgotten? So would you, Spirit of Truth, speak? We want to hear your voice. In your precious name, amen. This is such a great psalm, like I just prayed. It's one that was not realized by the psalmist. Like, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he penned words that he could not comprehend. This is before, or this is after him. He is before the time of Christ, and yet he writes of Christ. Dr. George Campbell Morgan says the Hebrew singer celebrated a truth, the full value of which he hardly recognized. He pens this beautiful song of expectation, this slow crescendo to the very last verse of praise and hope for what is to come. He didn't know the one who is salvation as we know the one who is salvation. He didn't know Jesus, but he did know God revealed through the Old Testament. He knew God revealed through the passing down of intentional rememberings. He knew God revealed through the prophets and all of the things that they did. He knew God revealed. And it allowed him to pen this psalm of hope of what was still to come. He understood this truth that we often overlook, that the act of looking back spurs us on to the act of looking forward. We don't look back for the sake of looking back. We look back so that we have the hope, so that we have the certainty, so that it bolsters us in understanding that the same God will do it again. So let's look back for a moment. Verses 1 to 3. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. We are a forgetful people, aren't we? Like, Lucas and I have a little marriage superpower, um, and it's that one of us usually remembers the thing the other one forgot. It works pretty well. And I have to say, I am relying a lot more on my phone, because I have missed one too many appointments that I was like, I'll remember. (laughs) Nope, I won't. So I'm relying far more on things to help me remember, because we're a forgetful people. As I was prepping for this sermon, I found a study done by Stanford, and they 
went through all of memories and how people retain memories and lose memories, and they said, actually, it's for our benefit that we forget. If we were to remember everything that we processed, we would literally not be able to cope. Like, our brains would not be able to focus on anything. There would be just too much information in there. And so it's for our benefit that we forget but it's also to our detriment. Because I don't know about you, but I often remember the grandiose. I often remember those places where I am the hero of the story. I often remember those things that are like amazing and awe-inspiring, and I forget those littles. And so we have to go about the discipline of remembrance. And it is a discipline. It's a discipline to intentionally remember those places where we were not the star of the story. Maybe not even secondary cast. Where we were the villain and God stepped in to redeem and restore. It takes intentional remembering to pause and go through the still small voice moments where The hidden hero is speaking and orchestrating, and we're so quick to just pass it off as intuition or coincidence. It's intentional remembering. I love all of the moments in the history of the Israelites, especially as they were walking through to the promised land where God said, stop here and build a monument. Stop here and put some things that you will intentionally remember in all of your comings and goings, in all of your travels, in all of your wanderings. You will see this and you will remember. Friends, what are we intentionally remembering? Because there are things that should never be forgotten. And we remember the traditions. What if we took our traditions? What if we built in monuments of remembrance into the season? Where every time you make that Christmas cookie, you tell the story of. Every time that one ornament goes on the Christmas tree, you tell the story of. Because those stories of faithfulness that the psalmist has to spur on his hope of the future would have been passed from generation to generation to generation. Church, let's not let those stories of the marvelous deeds of the Lord die with us. Let's build intentional remembering into our day. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. We need to remember anew because we are people who forget. We need to remember anew and engage in the discipline of remembrance because of our propensity to gloss over the stories of God and share the stories of us. We have to engage in the hard work of intentional remembering. 
the wonder of Christmas, it can get a little lost, can it? I know about you, but this year, I've just been asking myself over and over and over, where did the wonder go? Like, I'm kind of ready to take down my Christmas tree already. It's been up for not quite a month, but it's been up for a long time. Like, it's, okay, we're good. But if we don't engage in the act of intentional remembrance, then the point of the season is gone. And in the place of remembering, we just place responsibility. And our intentional remembrance just becomes utilitarian pragmatism and minimalism and budgets and to-do lists and parties to go to and Christmas cards to send and exhaustion. And rather than sharing the story of the wonder of a God who is still present, the story that didn't end in the manger, we sing a song of overwhelm and stretch too thin. And the new song that we sing is not one that leads us to an awe of the Christmas story, but one that leads to a dread of it. We were coming home from the ferry um, last night. We took a bunch of youth Christmas shopping this weekend. It was really, really fun. But there was a little boy in the ferry terminal with us, and we were just struck up a conversation with this family. And he said to his parents in the car to the ferry terminal, I hate Christmas. I'm like, I don't want to celebrate Christmas. Why? Why is it that actually the popularity of Christmas is going down and now more people say that they would prefer to celebrate Halloween than Christmas? Why? Could it be that we have lost the intentional remembering of the wonder and awe of this story? Could it be that we have passed on the wrong song? And we need to stop once again and look back so we remember. We remember what it's all about. We pare down the things that we don't need so that we elevate the things that we do. That the God of the universe loved us so much that he came as a baby. That he kept the promise given to the very first two humans that ever were on the earth. That he was going to redeem and restore church, it's time once again to ask God to renew the anticipation and the expectation by looking back. But we also need to look forward. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. I love how the message puts it. A tribute to God when he comes, when he comes to set the earth right, He'll straighten out the whole world. He'll put the world right and everything in it. Remembering the faithfulness of God builds the hope for the future. Like we can look back and get stuck in backward. And there's a danger there too. There's a danger in just getting stuck in yesterday and getting stuck in what God did and never anticipating what God will do. Never anticipating the new song, the new thing. 
Like, I kind of feel right now, my kids are getting older, and I was sharing with a friend that it almost feels like when they both turn 18, the world's going to end, right? Like, what is past them? Right now, so much of my focus, so much of my day-to-day, so much of everything is just keeping them alive, making sure they do school, and like collapsing in bed at the end of the day. We can have that danger with the here and now, right? We can almost get stuck in this thought that looking back is all there is, that Jesus came and he grew and he died on the cross and he rose again and he went into heaven, he seated at the right hand of the Father, the Holy Spirit came, and now we get to just live today. And we can forget about the future. We can forget about the tomorrow. And the promise of the Christmas story doesn't end at an empty tomb. The promise of the Christmas story ends with a victorious king returning. And every single day when we open our eyes, we're one day closer to that day. And we're one day less here. And the looking back spurs us on to the looking forward because this life is not all that there is. This life is not what we were created for. For the psalmist, looking back over the lives of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and on and on, spurred him to be able to write this psalm with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of something he could never understand. Yet in obedience, he wrote. And the faithfulness of God in all of those people and the many, many who have lived since till now, the faithfulness of God in our lives, it doesn't just spur us on to live a good life now. It undergirds the hope that we have that God is a God who keeps his promises and he's promised to return for his bride and we're it. but I hope that we're not all that there is when he comes. And so this Christmas, we need to remember that the Christmas story doesn't end here. David Guzik wrote, the strong and deep praise described in this psalm is not only for the marvelous things that God has done, it's also for the work that he's about to do. For with righteousness, he shall judge the world. And his righteous rule and reign will be a welcome relief for all creation that has suffered under the sin and rebellion of mankind. Friends, do we believe it? Like, do we actually believe it? In our lives, in our day-to-day, in the decisions that we make, in the intentional rememberings and the intentional doings, Do we show that we believe it, that this is not what we were made for, that we were created for something greater? In Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21, it says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so they'll be like his glorious body so that we can live with him. That is the goal. Not retirement. 
not just getting my children to be adults alive. Thank you, Jesus. Not then, right? We can get so focused in the here and now that we lose sight of the forward. And so in the looking back, what do your traditions point to? What do your stories point to? This Christmas Eve, we're going to be reading out of the storybook Bible. And the phrase, like the catchphrase of the Bible is, where every story speaks his name. Because all of the Old Testament pointed to who? To Jesus, the Messiah who was going to come. But every moment since his ascension points to who? Not the Jesus behind us, the Jesus that's coming back for us. Not the Jesus who walked roads that some are there, some are not. Same Jesus. It points the returning king, but I think we've lost sight of it by looking back too much and maybe not looking forward enough. And so while we sing a new song, can we sing the song of hope, the song of anticipation, the song of expectation of a God who is returning for us? This Christmas, we are, this is number one of our series, Expected, and we want to take a new vantage point. We want to walk together through the Old Testament and the prophecies that led to Jesus that pointed to who he was, looking at the expectation and the anticipation that this entire nation of Israel held for the Messiah that was going to be born in that manger. But we don't want to look back only. We want to look ahead. Do we still have that expectation and anticipation in us? For the conquering king who's about to come. Do we have the expectation that says, Oh, come, thou long expected Jesus, here today, in our lives tomorrow, next week? Do we live it out? Do we have an expectation that God would be present and moving in our lives, in our day to day? Scott James says, No. God didn't just promise his people that a miracle child would be born. He also promised that this child would grow up to be the loving shepherd of his people, the place-switching sacrifice, the resurrected Lord, and the righteous king who reigns in glory forever. But there is yet another promise. The king is coming back for his people. The act of looking back spurs us on in the act of, of looking forward. And so this Christmas season, let us, with intention, choose to remember well all of the faithful and marvelous works of the Lord, but let us, with intention, also choose to not look back only, but to look ahead to the day when Jesus comes back and allow that to allow us (laughs) to be people of invitation to be people on mission, to be people who truly understand that every day we open our eyes is one day less until Jesus returns. And I don't know about you, but that puts a lot of pressure, good pressure, 
to love my neighbors well, to share with them the hope that I have, to be bold in my family, because one day is already gone before Jesus returns. The act of looking back spurs us on in the act of looking forward. So God, I thank you. Even though we just said that there's pressure and there is, God, salvation is yours. But you invite us into that journey of planting seeds and watering seeds and being faithful in all the encounters you set up for us. Father God, would you help us to take stock and take account of how we celebrate in this month leading up to Christmas? Would you tug at our hearts in places where we can add the stories of your marvelous deeds, the stories of your faithfulness, that those new songs would be sung? But God, would you also remind us that you are coming again, that the story is not finished, that we play a part just as Abraham and Isaac and Joseph and Moses, as David played, we also are playing a part in the story of your kingdom. Would you allow there to be a sacred responsibility that would be placed on our shoulders to understand that every time we open our eyes, it's one day closer to your coming? And would you allow there to be a hope and a joy and an expectancy as we join with all of creation to sing, come Lord Jesus, come. Because we know that we weren't made just for this life, we were made to be with you. That there is perfect love and peace and joy in your presence. So this Christmas season, would you birth an expectancy in us once again? We love you so much. And as we get to know each other and these friends and family you put around us because you have called us to a life done in community with others. God, would you be glorified in our laughter? Would you be glorified in getting to know each other and encouraging one another and building each other up as we just do what you created us to do in relationship with others? Would you be glorified in your precious name? Amen.